We are so happy you're joining us on our Brentwood Church podcast. To find out more about Brentwood, go to brentwoodchurch.org. During this episode, we hear a great message that we pray will lead you to a new and deeper level with Jesus Christ. So open up your Bible or Bible app and grab a notebook or simply listen along. I was created for more. My life wasn't made to fit in boxes. He says he has purposed me from before I was born. Yet fear and insecurity hold me back. What if I can't? But what if this is just the beginning of a greater dream inside of me, only accomplished with the help of the one who made me? What if it is he who is awakening the dream? Well, all right, good morning. Uh, I'm so excited that you all are here today. But before we move forward in our service, today marks the 15th anniversary of 9-11. And so I'd, I'd like to start out, and we as a church would like to start out with a moment of silence. So if you all please bow your heads and join with me. Thank you all so much. On that tragic day, we saw nearly 3,000 people lose their lives, uh, and many of them were emergency responders that gave their lives to save others. So what we'd like to do now is ask all emergency responders, firefighters, police officers, paramedics, uh, nurses, and doctors to please stand and allow us to thank you uh, for the service that you do in our communities and our lives. Yes, thank you. Thank you all so much. Uh, truly, every time you put on the uniform, uh, I, I'm so thankful for the bravery and the selflessness that you show in that. Uh, thank you so much. I was talking to someone earlier this week, and, and they told me that uh, this freshman class in high school, these ninth graders right now, are going to be taught for the first time uh, that 9-11 was a day in history, not something they were actually alive for. And that was kind of crazy to me to think that there are freshmen in high school that weren't alive for 9-11, right? That's crazy. Time just keeps going and moving. Uh, and, and speaking of that, we're quickly approaching fall, which I gotta be, I'll be honest with you guys. I thought it was fall for the sole reason that Starbucks had pumpkin spice lattes, but it's not fall till the 22nd. Did you know that? Like it's not fall yet, but Starbucks is slowly taking over the world. One specialty drink at a time. Uh, I'm very excited to hand out Halloween candy and drink my peppermint mocha. Um, that's a Christmas drink, and that's not in Christmas. Okay, moving forward, moving forward. Uh, I got to do this, get out of the way, because what's today? You know, let's kick off Sunday, right? NFL starts today. Uh, there's a, a huge, there it is. That's probably the loudest you guys will get today. Uh, I understand that, but we'll, we'll address it. I told my girlfriend that NFL starts today, and so we just kind of agreed to see each other later uh, around Valentine's Day, so when it's over. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. We love to watch football together. I'm kind of, uh, I know I'm, I'm, I'm getting off topic here, but, but I love the season that we're in, especially because of this series. I think this series has been so impactful for so many people, including myself. It has literally been life-changing. And for some of you in here, this is your first time uh, or your first series at Brentwood Church. Uh, so it is a special series. I was very honored when Pastor John asked if I would uh, speak today. Uh, my name is Tyler Lower. I'm the groups and development intern here at Brentwood Church. I love my job. I love what I get to do. And I'm so excited to opened up God's word. Two weeks ago when we started this series, Pastor John said this. He said, 
you are born a dreamer. And that's what this series is all about. The series is about, you weren't just put on this earth for no reason. God created you uniquely and designed you for a purpose. Maybe you didn't realize that, but you're not just living this life and then you're gonna die and rot away. You are here for a reason. We are all born dreamers, but we have a choice. We have a choice to, are we gonna go after a dream of our own? What we kind of called a human achievement dream, a dream that's about uh, making me successful, me known. It's all about me. And it's something you can probably get done on your own, right? Or are you gonna choose to go after a God purpose dream, which is something that God has put inside every single person who believes and follows him. And that's something that's unique to you that you can't get done without God, but it's the reason that he created you. And we looked at that how? Through Moses' life, right? Moses was protected as a child uh, through the Nile River, right? And then he was raised in the palace in Egypt. He was educated until it finally awoken in him what God had put him here on this earth to do. But here's what he did. He went after a human achievement dream when he killed the slave driver, right? Because he wanted to save one person. See, but his God purpose dream, what God wanted him to do was so much more than save one Israelite. He wanted him to lead the entire nation out of captivity, See, that's the difference between a human achievement dream and a God purpose dream. And then Pastor John, last week, he said this. He said, when a God purpose dream is clear, our greatest threats are what? Doubt, insecurity, and fear. And isn't that the truth? Right? When you, when you, you decide to, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. Are you sure? Like, I don't know if you know who I am. And we saw that play out in Moses' life especially at the burning bush, right? Moses was so afraid. Oh God, I can't do this. I'm a clumsy speaker. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. He fell back into his fear, his doubts, and his insecurities. But what does God do? God gives us the tools that we need, the spiritual gifts. He gave Moses, Aaron, and the staff. God said, I'm going to help you get this done. That's what we talked all about last week. But now what happens when we are, we're traveling on our dream journey, right? We're, we're, we're following our God purpose dream. We know why he's made us. We know what we're doing. We're following after him. But then we get hit with, with adversity and opposition. And everything just seems to collapse and fall down in front of us. What do you do? Is it over? We see that's exactly where we find Moses uh, in chapter 5. See, in chapter 5, uh, if you have your Bible apps, you can follow along on the live events tab. Uh, but chapter 5, Moses, he, he, he gets it, okay? He's like, you know what? I'm going to step out of my fear, doubts, and insecurities. I got Aaron with me. I got my God. Uh, I'm going to go to Pharaoh. And he goes to Pharaoh. What does he say? Pharaoh, I need to take the people out on a three-day journey. We're gonna, God wants me to lead them out uh, to go worship him. And Pharaoh tells him no, right? Surprisingly, he tells him no, like, like really no. He sends him out. And then Pharaoh is so angry, what does he do? He goes to the, Pharaoh, to the Israelites who are making bricks. And he says, listen here, you have a quota that you have to make every day for bricks. I'm not going to change that quota, but I'm going to remove straw. We were giving that you straw to make the bricks. They needed the straw to make the bricks. And now he said, you have to go and find straw, come back and still make the same amount of bricks you were making when we were giving you straw. Okay, so their workload doubled, tripled, right? It got incredibly harder. And then what does God, and then what does the Israelites do? They blame Moses. The Israelites are furious at Moses. So not only has Moses' dream journey, he, was, he, he got the courage and he said, okay, God, I'm going to have faith in you. I'm going to go after what you want for me to do. And now Pharaoh says, no, the people are mad at me. And here we're going to pick up in Exodus 5, uh, verses 22 and 23. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested it. What, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people? Lord, why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people, and you have done nothing to rescue them. 
I think it's easy for us to read right over this, right? It's easy to kind of just think, uh, man, God is doing this. He's, but you're not doing this. And it's easy for us to think, wow, how can Moses be getting so angry at God? How can Moses treat God like this? He's God, right? Doesn't he know everything Moses, everything God has done for the Israelites throughout history? Didn't God speak to him through a burning bush? Like, it's so easy for us to look at Moses that way, but, but I if we're all being honest, how many of us have had a very similar conversation with God? Right? I know I have. See, it's easy for us to kind of just read over and say, man, Moses had it all wrong. But I think so many of us in this room have been going after our dream, going after something that we know God has put us on this earth to do, and we just get stopped and stopped by adversity and, and, and outside opposition, and it just all crumbles in front of us, and we look at God and we say, what are you doing? What are you doing? But here's what we have to understand today, that when you're following after your, your God-purpose dream, opposition will come. It's not if, it's when. It's not if, it's when. And, and why do I say that? Because if you're following after what God has put you on this earth to do, it's going to be countercultural. Right? It would have made no sense if Pharaoh said, sure, take all my slaves on a three-day vacation and I hope you come back to slavery. Right? No, it would have made sense. Right? No, that would have ruined their economic system. Here's why. A God-purpose dream is transformational. And transformation is going to upset the status quo. If you're following after something that God has put in your heart to fulfill for his name, it is not going to fit within within the way the world works, because we don't live in a world that honors God and is centered around God. So if you're following your dream, if you think, I'm, I'm following my God-purpose dream, this is what you have me for, God. I know it. Okay, I get it done. It's awesome. I'd never upset anyone. Everyone loves me. It's cool. Here's what I want to ask you. Did you really actually do something? Were you really actually following after the dream or, or the decisions that God wanted you to make if no one in this world ever got upset with it? Right? Why? Because it's countercultural to where we live. And so, and so we look at this word opposition, right? We look at this word opposition because for Moses it was Pharaoh, right? And it wasn't just opposition. It was the fact that Moses had to give up almost everything he had to follow this dream, right? Moses, he, he, he couldn't retire and move to North Carolina, right, and play with the grandkids. Like, that wasn't going to happen. That was gone. It was, you're going to do this for me for the rest of your life. This is what this is going to look like. And then he gets hit with, with adversity and opposition, and it all crumbles in front of him. And it's so easy for us. Excuse me, I'm going to change mics here. On. There we go. Came prepared. All right. So it's so easy for us to fall and, and to look at Moses and say, what are you doing? But for our own lives, we face opposition too. Now, to be honest, it's probably not Pharaoh, right? It, it's not Pharaoh, but it, it's other things. It could be uh, legality issues or logistical or financial issues that, that you need to pursue this, right? Every time you just hit a wall and it just stops. Maybe it's the enemy, Maybe you're falling after your dream and the enemy is just attacking you, your family, your loved one, and it's, just, it's ruining everything. And, and you ask God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? Right? If I'm falling after what you, what you want for me, if, if, I'm, if I'm stepping out in faith, but then you're letting all this happen, why? Or maybe, maybe you're, walking, you're walking along and 
and that sin that's been in your life just keeps popping up. And it makes you feel unworthy of your dream. It makes you feel like you can't accomplish this because, man, God couldn't want you to do that if, if you're doing this. And it crumbles before you. You see, it, it, it's all unique to us. I'll be honest with you, I'm falling after my God purpose dream, right? I, I know and I believe that God has put me on this earth to see people's lives radically changed by his church through Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. That's what I'm doing, and I love what I'm doing. I, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I love that I have the opportunity that Pastor John is giving me his platform to talk to you about truths in God's word. But you know, there are times, and even last week, where I, I, I kind of I looked at my friends that are, that are in the secular field, and man, they're starting to make some really good money. And I'm just like, okay, that looks nice, right? That looks, oh, it'd be fun to do that. Okay, but okay, I can't do that, right? I'm not, I don't, I can't afford that. I can't do that. And then I look at friends I have in ministry, and they're they're farther along than me, and they're, they're a little bit more successful. I'm like, man, God, I thought I might be there by now. What? But 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 I, I promise that I, I promise to, to follow your dream for my life, and I'm doing it. I'm I'm gonna do it, right? You know. And then uh, my girlfriend of, of three years, she's had two different job offers in ministry in like three weeks. It was crazy, right? And I'm and I think that that's a real thing, right? When your significant other. It, becomes a little bit more successful. Not that there's a bad thing, but I think in our innate humors, our, our innate human nature, we look and we say, okay, God, I see, I see you doing all that for, for everyone else. And, and here's what I had. Maybe you've had this moment, a where's mine moment. Have you had that with God? Where, where you look at other people and you're like, God, I'm following after what you have put me on this earth to do. Where is mine? Like, why aren't you showing up for this in my life? Why aren't you giving me this? I am trusting everything to you, and you seem to be giving everything I want to everyone around me. And if I can be so real with you all this morning, that in my moment of weakness and, and distraught, I just broke down and wept. And I lost faith in what God had put me here to do. And I asked the question that Moses asked. Why me? Why have you called me to something? Why have you set me? Why have you done this? Like, why couldn't I just be like someone else? Why did you have to choose this for me? Why did you have to give me this dream? Why did you have to give me this? And I think so many of us in here right now have been hit by opposition, and our dream seems to be moving nowhere fast. And we ask God, why? Why? And what was, what was crazy was, this was all in the time that I was studying and, and writing for this teaching. And God was able to show me such a powerful truth through the passages that we're going to look at today. And it all starts in chapter 6 of Exodus. These are the next verses. Moses literally at the end of 5 just lamented to God and said, why are you doing this to me? And now we see what God says to Moses. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh when he feels the force of my strong hand. He will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. I love this because it shows the power of God, right? First off, he's telling Moses, you need to understand something. Pharaoh isn't opposing me, but he's opposing, he's opposing you, he's opposing me, God, and I will take care of myself, Right? God doesn't really need us to fight his battles for him. And I love that he says, he'll let you out, and in fact, he will force you out. That's the power of our God. And he goes on to say, 
I am Yahweh the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. Now, I want you to know something about this name, Yahweh. This is God's most personal name. This is a name that would go, go on in, in Jewish history to be so revered that they wouldn't speak it or write it down. So if there's someone in here uh, of Jewish descent or practicing Judaism, please do not be offended for me to use this term today. I, I'm using it because it is in the text and it is so pivotal to the truth that God has for us today. See, because if we can go back to that verse, that name Yahweh, that is God's covenantal name. That's the name that God used when he went to Moses at the burning bush. God is saying, listen, Moses, I put a dream inside of you. I gave you what you need to accomplish it. A little bit of adversity and, and, and that stopped you. But guess what? I am still Yahweh. I have not forgotten what I have told you. Pharaoh is not larger than me. Why? Because I am Yahweh. This is so important. This isn't, I didn't tell this to Abraham, the father of your nation, to Jacob or to Isaac, but what I am having you do is so important, Moses. I am telling you my most personal, intimate name that is Yahweh. And that is not something to be taken lightly. He goes on to say in, in chapter, in verse four, and I'm reaffirming my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promise to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can continue on. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. See, church, here's what we need to understand today. God is not just a dream giver, but he is a promise keeper. And for those of you who are following after your dream and you seem to be facing opposition and everything comes crumbling down and you sit there and ask, God, why would you call me to something and then not see it through? And it's over. Like, what are you doing? What you need to understand is what Paul talked about in Philippians 1.6. He says in Philippians 1.6, is it there? And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. For those of us who believe and follow Jesus Christ, he has put a dream inside of you. Something to fulfill his name over yours. Something that only you can accomplish because you are a unique creation of him. Okay? But what he is not promising you is that you may ever see the end of that dream. Or that you may ever see how many people that impacts. Right? Because it says that we'll be finished on the day when Christ returns. I love that because guess what? It's not about us, church. It's about him. It's about him. Write this verse down. Use it. Wake up and read this. Know that you were put on this earth for a purpose, and he is not going to abandon you when something like adversity happens. Let's continue to read back in Exodus. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen anymore. And you, um, doesn't Moses just, just get you sometimes? How can I expect Pharaoh to listen to me? I'm such a clumsy speaker. What are we seeing here? Moses has stepped back into his fears, anxieties, and doubts. Moses has allowed opposition to halt his dream. But here's what God says to Moses. This is so good. But the Lord spoke to Moses and said to Aaron and gave them orders to the, 
for the Israelites and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to what? To lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. Lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. This is the same thing that he told Moses at the burning bush. What God is saying is, Moses, I understand Pharaoh has told you no. I understand that people are upset with you, but guess what? Pharaoh doesn't dictate what I do. Lead my people. Pharaoh hasn't changed my mind at all. I'm not scared of Pharaoh. Lead my people. And some of you have been stuck on your dream journey, maybe for years. But just because opposition has happened doesn't mean that God has ended that dream in your life. Lead my people. Lead my people. And what do we see over the, the, next, the next few few chapters? Well, when we're following after our, our God-purpose dream, we have the opportunity to build our faith. When we're following after our God-purpose dream, we have the opportunity to build our faith. And we see that happen throughout the next few chapters. See, because Moses, he, he, he takes advantage of that. He steps into this opportunity. He says, okay, God, I'm going to go. Right? And he goes to Moses and what, or to Pharaoh, and what does he say? Let my people go. What does Pharaoh say? No. What does God do? He sends a plague, showing that he is greater than any god, king, anything that Egypt thinks they have. The God of Israel is the one true living God. And then what happens? Moses goes back. Let my people go. Pharaoh says no. God sends a plague. Moses goes back. Let my people go. Pharaoh says no. God sends a plague. We see this happen 10 times, church. The 10 plagues. And for those of you who are, you're in the cycle of, you're like, okay, God, I know this is what you want for my family, but it's failed. It, it, it seems to be done. And what is God saying? Lead my people. Do what I have called you to do. But, but God, it, it failed. It failed. Do what I have called you to do. But okay, God, but then it failed again. What do I do? Do what I have called you to do. Moses didn't know that it was going to take 10 plagues. But do you think he ever kind of started to think, all right, God, this is number seven. There's not going to be much of Egypt after this. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to follow again. Okay, okay, you're going to do that. All right, all right, and here comes number 10. All right, I'm going to trust you, God. You're in control here, right? I've seen you do all these plagues. I'm not going to cross you at this point, right? Do what I've told you to do. And some of you are in that same spot, but here's what I want to tell you. Moses didn't know it was going to end at 10, and I'm sure glad, and I think he's thankful he didn't stop at 9. Don't give up the dream that God has put in your life because opposition has happened. Because remember, Pharaoh can't dictate what God has decided for your life. And no one or anything can do that. Because why? He is Yahweh. He is a promise keeper. He is a promise keeper. And this is what we see, right? We know Moses and and the Israelites, God softens Pharaoh's heart and they exit Egypt. They leave Egypt. And God sends his people, not through the way that you would typically go to their destination, but he sends them on a different path. And where do they end up? At the Red Sea. And what we're about to pick up on is the famous story or the famous illustration of Moses parting the Red Sea. 
right? And, and that's something we all know. Whether you don't believe in God or not, you probably have heard the story of Moses parting the Red Sea, right? Why? It is such a powerful example of who our God is and the power that he holds, right? That even the earth and the sea doesn't dictate or limit what he can do. And so we're about to pick up on, on this, this story. So here we go. Exodus 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, they looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. And they cried out to the Lord, and they said to Moses, this is, this is rich, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? That's just, that's just like the dumbest thing ever, right? Literally, we're, you couldn't let us die in Egypt. We have to die out here. What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. See, while the Israelite nation, they, they appear, they're, they're at this point where they, they think they have a lack of God in their life. But, but what I think they have is a lack of memory of who their God is. And isn't that the case so often when we, when we face opposition in our life? We forget who our God is and everything he has done just in our life alone, in our friends' lives, in our family lives, not to mention we can look at what he's done in Exodus and throughout the whole Bible. But when opposition hits, we forget who our God is. But you see, what Moses did was he allowed his opposition to build his faith. And so here's what Moses says. He says to the people, Don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Just stay calm, church. This is the opposite to who he was at the beginning of this, right? Because before when Pharaoh said no... He, he, he fell back into his insecurities, his doubts, and his fears. But now he's standing with the, the sea on one side and an army coming to kill him on the other side. And what does he tell the people? Oh, we should probably not be standing here, huh? Or No, he doesn't say run. He doesn't say hide. He doesn't say fight. What does he say? Stand still and what? Stay calm and know that our God is going to rescue us. That is what faith looks like. And that is what faith looks like when it is built through opposition after opposition after opposition. Why? Because this is the bottom line. This is what today is all about. Nothing builds faith like opposition. Nothing builds faith like opposition. You see, because Moses understood, he finally got it. He understood that while he was trying while he thought he knew what God was going to do or what he needed God to do, he learned that God is the hero in his story. And so often we, even, even when we are trying to follow after our own, our own God purpose dream, that we're following after God, and, and this is where, what I was doing. I was following after what God wanted for my life, but I still was so naive to think that God was going to do it in the way that I thought he was going to do it. And it wasn't until I was talking to Jill Stroud, very wise woman, and she was talking about the sermon with me and my life uh, in, this, in this setting. And she said, Tyler, I, I will never forget this. She said, God is trying to teach you that you are not the hero of your own story. He is the hero of your life. And when I, when I went to bed that night and I was laying my head down, it finally clicked for me. 
that I was trying to, to follow after God, but do it the way I thought he wanted it to be done or I thought that the way that he was going to do it. But instead, I realized that I have to have, I have to strip my pride. I have to strip my insecurities. I have to say, God, you are the hero of my life. You are Yahweh. You will not let something die out that you have started. And so many of us, we get to those places, those what are you doing and where is mine moments with God. And what we have to understand is that God is the hero of our lives, the hero of our stories, not us. Not us. And some of us, some of you in here walked into this gym this morning, and you have never on your own made a decision to believe and follow Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't even believe in God before, before you walked in here. And to be honest with you, you've been trying to be the hero of your own life, right? Because that's all you can do apart from God. Because if you don't know God, how can, why would you expect him to help you? But, but if we can be real for a second, we, because of our sin, cannot spend eternity with God in heaven because he is perfect. We just can't do that. that that's the truth. I... Tyler, am imperfect and have sinned, and that disqualifies me from spending eternity with my Lord. But that wasn't okay for God. So he came down to earth. God came down to earth. Why would he do that, church? Why would God come down to this earth and die on a cross for me? Hebrews 2 says, For because he himself in his humanity, that's talking about Jesus, has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of, assist, relieve those who are being tempted, tested, and tried. God came down from heaven for no other reason so that he could come to the aid so that he could suffer being tempted, tested, and tried so that he could save us who are being tempted, tested, and tried. And maybe you never realized that before until just now that you are an imperfect person but a perfect Savior came and was tempted, tested, and tried for me and you. And then it says, put that verse back up for me, that he is able immediately to run to our aid. Thanks so much for listening today. We believe that everyone has a next step towards Jesus and we'd love to help you take yours. Email us at hello at brentwoodchurch.org or visit our website, brentwoodchurch.org slash next steps. Until next time, go change the world.